The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, parts of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to talk about, well, you know, nothing but the best and best team in the NFL is fellow contributor Akshas Dividula. And yes, I just hit it with the right off the top. Akshas, how's it going, man? It's going great, Robert. I didn't know we were talking about the Eagles today. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's kidding, guys. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, right? Even though the record might say... They're not. I think when this team is, and we can we can jump right into just talking about how awesome Sunday was. <laughs> like when this team is firing, they are actually unstoppable. There is no way you can beat the 49ers when they're at their best, and that's not true of other teams. You know, like yeah, you get Kansas City at their best, and it might be a shootout, but someone might make a drop. When the 49ers are raring. They execute almost everything perfectly. It's 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 the best. Only yeah. positives. <laughs> it was definitely the best. Um, what a what a weird game that was yesterday. Um, obviously, 49ers win it in Philadelphia, 42 to 19. That I didn't. I mean, I, I guess we kind of had that one on our radar, right? Like we did talk about it at the end of the preview episode. We were like, there is a way where one team, either team, can beat, can blow the other team out. But I was just sort of talking about it like theoretically, right? Like, it, like it never actually crossed my mind that they're going to put up 42 points on the Eagles on Sunday. Like, and then of course after the first quarter, you're like, oh boy, like are they going to score any points today? Are they going to get any yards? Uh, when you have negative six yards at the end of the first quarter, that's generally the way that you're thinking there. And that that and I know we've beaten this this drum into the ground throughout the season is. It's it's like as good as as everything went. They scored 42 points against one of the other best teams in the NFL, but they win an entire quarter without gaining any yards or scoring any points, and still managed to get 100 and, or to score 42 points and put up 456 yards of offense. So part of you is like, well, what would have happened if they had played like a normal first quarter? 
like they probably would have scored at least one more touchdown, right? Like probably had been over 500 yards of offense. That's just, that's crazy to think about. And they didn't even win the time of possession game, which is the craziest thing. You know, the Eagles, we can like, Eagles had long, long drives that ended up with field goals or nothing. And the 49ers were just touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. There was a lot of points left on the board, which is Mm -hmm. insane to think about. Like, did the 49ers play their best game of the season? I'd argue maybe. Yeah, it's up there. Maybe. It's up there for sure. But I think that's the beauty of this team is that, like, even when everything's working and everything can be working, you always view it and you're like, they can get better. Like there's a couple spots and we'll talk about it. Obviously we'll be like, you know, they could have done this better, that better, this and that, but to play your, their a game, a minus game, B plus game, whatever you want to call it (laughs) and walk away with 42 against Philly at home in a game that had everything happened. That's 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 a lot about this team. <laughs> Everything happened. That's a really good way of putting it. The actually the time of possession didn't turn out to be quite as overwhelming as you would have thought that it would have been, considering what the Eagles had the ball for like 10, 12 minutes in the first quarter or something like that. Um, might have been more than that. But the time of possession actually ended up being fair, not like even even, but it was a little bit more even than I would I like when you said that I was like, hmm, I wonder what it ended up being. It was 28 21 for the 49ers and 31 39 for Philadelphia, um, helped out by some of those touchdown drives that we uh, um, will inevitably talk about today. But obviously lots of good things to get into for this particular matchup. Um, a couple of notes right off the top. Um, Christian McCaffrey becomes the first 49ers uh running back or really any any rusher of any kind uh, to run for a thousand yards since Frank Gore in 2014, which just feels like that. Like, how is that even possible <laughs> that that has happened? Um, that's that's almost 10 years ago. And it's just crazy that it's it, it, because during a large chunk of that time, they had Kyle Shanahan as a head coach, who was a guy who wants to run the ball and run the ball effectively. Um now, obviously, as a team, they've run for more than a thousand yards, and part of that has been they they couldn't keep a healthy running back, so they you know run a guy out there and he'd be doing really well, and then he'd get hurt, and somebody else would come in, and so they had this sort of revolving door at running back. So this really last year and a half is really the first time they've had like this is the guy, one hundred percent, like no questions asked kind of thing. Um, so, and I, th- I think Elijah Mitchell got really close his rookie year if i'm not mistaken he was in the 900s or upper 800s if i'm not mistaken but it's it's crazy to think that that is the first time they've had a thousand yard rusher in almost 10 years i mean it it speaks to a lot of things you know primarily health and availability which has been such a huge part of how mccaffrey's helped this team but also like those are full seasons, and we have, like, what, five games? Uh-huh, I was just about to say that, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was playing kind of banged up against Minnesota and still put out a gutsy effort. So, like, he's a guy who's absolutely dominated. He And he, I think Nick Wagner, who writes about the 49ers for ESPN, had a fantastic point. He said something along the lines of, it looks like McCaffrey is just getting better in this offense which is so scary to think about, but he's reading it better. He kind of understands where the holes are going to be better. 
and I mean, if this isn't the best version of Christian McCaffrey, what like what is? Because we're pretty close to one of the most unstoppable forces in the NFL. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that that was wild. The fact that he was <laughs> that he got so close that he was already this close to a thousand yards with with six games left to play, and the fact that he got over. A thousand yards. Um, Frank Gore's 2006 season was 1,695 yards. Um, is the franchise record? Um, Christian McCaffrey is. Let's see, already at 20th on the all-time list uh, for the, for the franchise. Just uh, let's see, um, 12 games into the season. So it seems like he's you know if if he keeps it regular usage for throughout the five for the next five games if he let's just say he got a clean 500 yards throughout the rest of the season that wouldn't be enough to get him over that he's going to have to to get you know 100 plus yards per game average for the rest of the year so it doesn't feel likely that that's going to happen but you just you just never know um but he's certainly got Garrison Hurston is in his sights uh 1570 he's second place and Roger Craig at 1502 is third place. I think it's pretty safe to say that he's going to be in that in that second third all time in terms of rushing yards for the season um, once the the year is over, which is just yeah cool. I mean, and we're like so we have to like I don't know the full scrimmage yards and kind of how that plays a role for all of these stats, but I mean McCaffrey's role as a passer. I'm sure Craig probably as a huge bump up from receiving yards, especially, but well, that's just rushing yards on the season. So, yeah, I mean, but if you think about McCaffrey, right, like as a pure runner, he's going to be like fourth or fifth, probably maybe higher. That Mm -hmm. doesn't even get into account, like how absolutely dominant he's been as a receiving threat and what he's done for this team. Absolutely an X factor. Yeah. He's at a 429 receiving yards so far this season. So, not not terrible, but um, he's not. I don't think he's been as massive a, a part of the passing game as 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 he could have, just because they've leaned so heavily on him as a as a as a runner. Um, but certainly a massive part. He's he's certainly almost certainly gonna cr- gonna smash his own single season record, which is thirteen hundred eighty seven yards that he set for the Panthers back in twenty nineteen. That was also his thousand thousand season, um, where he caught one hundred and six. Goodness gracious. He caught 116 balls that year for 1,005 yards and also carried the ball 287 times for 1,387 yards. Wowzers. Um, 403 touches, 2,392 yards from scrimmage. That's 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 wild. Um, anyway, glad he's on our team. Um, so congratulations to Christian for yet another uh, 49ers milestone. milestone. There we go. Words are there. Um, the other thing that I think, uh, I don't know if you were going to talk about this in, um, in the, the down section, but I, I don't know if we wanted to give the, the sort of the Dre Greenlaw incident, uh, sort of special section here at the top. I think um, it's worth talking about yeah. independently because it's, it's like, we both have thoughts and it's, it's so ridiculous. I feel like it warrants mentioning yeah. Um, so obviously, uh, it's like what mid mid third quarter, I think. Um, remember the timing time frame of it, but certainly in the third quarter, um, there was a play. Devonte Smith, the Eagles wide receiver, 
makes a catch. Uh, Dre Greenlaw runs him down, picks him up off the ground, and and suplexes him into the ground, for lack of a better term. Um, I, I guess that's the, the the wrestling term for what that move was. Um, got penalized for unnecessary roughness. Um, you know, you can I I I don't I don't know. It's kind of eh on that for me. But that incited an incident. It was on the Eagles sideline and incited an incident where um, the Eagles head of security, um, for some reason, was <laughs> uh inclined to get in involved in the in the the sort of fracas that got started. That honestly really didn't get started until the Eagles head of security inserted himself into the into the situation. I mean, I, th- I think if that doesn't happen, the players probably get all riled up and, you know, everything's fine. Um, but it, it seemed like um, <laughs> that uh, that the, uh, the 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 guy along the Eagles sideline, I think his name is Don DeSanto, if that's or something like that. Um, Big Dom, I believe they, they refer to him as. Um kind of in started yapping at, at Greenlaw and Greenlaw, who is a obviously a very um, emotional guy, <laughs> um, kind of extended his arm. And it, the more I see the the contact, the more I'm just like, if if that's, I mean, if that's a punch, then I, okay. Like he, he certainly made contact with him. Um, he kind of booped the front of his, the side of his face and kind of grazed along his, his face. It wasn't a ton of contact. Um, but obviously, I, I I get it. Like it's a it's it's a dumb thing by by Drew Greenlaw. He doesn't need to get baited into that. That's exactly you know that's that's a problem. That's the 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 win and the loss of of Drew Greenlaw and his emotional sort of play. You get the highs of that, which is like he's super fired up and he makes great plays because of that. But every once in a while, we get something like this. It's not a smart move. He can't get baited into that, no matter what's happening on the sideline. That said, what in the world is that guy doing there? <laughs> like. Why is he so close to the field? My understanding is that only players and coaches are supposed to be in that sort of like white box area um, and like trainers and that sort of thing. I, I don't understand what what purpose a, a, a security person being on the field that close to the field is really for. Um, so I, I, I'm not really sure what he was there for in the first place. And then obviously the sort of trade off that the e- Eagles got there in all they lost was some guy who's a security guard, a security person. <clears throat> he got to leave the field. Liners lost a, an important player um, on their defense and the trade off there doesn't seem reasonable <laughs> to me. Um, again, I understand what Drake Greenlaw did was not a smart thing. And the ejection in that particular case seems reasonable to me, but I, gosh, you just can't have somebody who's not a player and not a coach in being able to impact the game in in that way that's that's kind of where i am so i was i was always like when i saw it initially i was like what just happened <laughs> like that's unacceptable you know but the more i saw it i was like all right green line can't do something and then i saw like replays today and like after the game and look i understand that from what i've read um, Big Dom, Dom, the like chief security officer, has a very close relationship with the players. Is like an unofficial liaison. Is basically is very embedded into that team, to where like he's not just like some random guy, but to the 49ers, he is some random guy, right? Like if he's not a coach, 
he can't be in that position. And he pushes Greenlaw away from Smith. That's unacceptable. You cannot, like, if you're not, like, well, first of all, you shouldn't put your hands on someone if you're not, like, playing the game. That's number one. But you definitely can't do that if you're not, like, part of the team. Like, that's, like, that's ridiculous. That's completely unacceptable. And I understand that, you know, Smith just got suplexed. I also am not 100% sure if it should have been a foul, but I think they probably got away with a late hit on Hurts. So I'm not mad at the call, mm-hmm. all things considered. But, you know, tempers are hot. Neither of these teams like each other. As we <laughs> you see. So, you know, everything, like, it makes sense, right? I'm not, like, looking at this and going, all right, that wasn't, like, tempers were up. You want to, like, protect someone who you ostensibly have a very close relationship with. But you can't put your hands on a player. And then Greenlaw can't put his hands back in retaliation on, like, some person, right? That's just – there's so much that could go wrong with that. There was a great article, I think, by Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated. He was like, the precedent that gets set if the NFL doesn't essentially crack down on this is that either a player can – like throw a punch, quote unquote, again, uh, not really a punch, but like, you know, make physical contact towards a non like essential personnel person. And that's okay. That's not okay. Right. But it goes the other way. And then the like pool report from Walt Anderson, I think our, um, (laughs) our, our contributor, Chris Wilson made a bunch of really great points about it. He was like, this can't be right. Like, if you're telling me that as an official, you don't have the capacity to like penalize a team because someone affiliated with that team, like employed by that team in an official capacity, did something textbookly unsportsmanlike, that's ridiculous. I don't believe it. If that's true, then the NFL is going to have the easiest rule change of its life in the offseason. Because that's insane. Because like you mentioned, the Eagles win that trade-off every time. Where Greenlaw was playing really well, all things considered. Oren Burks played decent enough afterwards, but that's not the point. The point is that like the 49ers could have lost a tone setter for their defense, one of their key cogs. And I just, like the number one thing is, you can't have someone that is incapable of like, not engaging with another player, especially when things have not yet escalated between these two teams and be on the sideline. Like, like that's the end result. Like the only, I think the only thing here, if I had to guess what the NFL is going to do, I'm a little worried. They give Greenlaw like a game suspension or something. And I think that would be ridiculous, but I'm a little worried about them. Like trying to be like, all right, none of this ever again so they like set the rules like that's like their precedent like for something like this you're out of game but i feel like the eagles will probably get a hefty fine quote unquote for an nfl team it's pocket change (laughs) and um and i highly doubt that what their head of security is going to be allowed on a sideline at least for the rest of the year potentially longer i mean there's just no other way you can get around it. Any other decision the NFL makes 
basically tells teams this is okay. And if you're telling me that a team is not going to have some like absolute like instigator agitant, not even saying that that's what the Eagles head of security was, but the reality is like if you can get some guy to go there and piss off the best player on the other team and that guy throws a punch and you kick him out of the game, mm-hmm. every team will take that like 20 times out of 20. And there's no way the NFL is okay with that. So it's a weird situation. It's absolutely ridiculous. I don't think Greenlaw should have been ejected. I do think he should not have like done what he did, but I don't think like the correct response is kick a player out of the game. You know, I don't know. This gets into like the weird like NFL officials rule books, what they mm. can or can't do and all that stuff. I don't really that's not that's not what's interesting about football to me. I don't know about you, Robert. Maybe you <laughs> No. <laughs> oh. No. Definitively not. Um yeah, I'm right I'm certainly right there with you. I mean, it at the very least, like the officials on the field have to be able to be like, Hey, we're gonna kick that guy out who's a non-player, but also he's not allowed to like get involved with the players because his job is to, you know, be the head of security, which is related to like fans um, and their involvement in the, on the field and all that sort of thing. Um, Like, like throw a penalty flag on, on the sideline. I mean, they have, they have these unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and all that kind of thing that can be thrown like the 49ers had one when when was that was that the Jags game right when yeah, Ambry Thomas when Ambry Thomas fump, picked up the fumble and then half the team is on the sideline and they had to call back the the touchdown right like just just call that like it's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on the on the Jaguars sideline you don't even have to call it like specifically anybody or on on the excuse me on the Eagles sideline like on whatever team sideline is it is that's 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 what the box is there for, right? That's what the what the chalk line on the sideline is for. Like, you're supposed to be in certain places, and and if they're not, then theoretically, I don't understand why they couldn't throw a penalty flag on that for just general like altercation, <laughs> like the sideline getting involved. Like, it's just weird. But anyway, um, that's that's a a, a weird thing, and certainly. It was it was an important enough moment in that like I don't know about you but the game the the Eagles immediately responded and and cut the cut it to a one score game uh, it was twenty one thirteen immediately after that right and I had that sinking feeling I'm like oh, gosh did this like not only we lose one of our best defenders but also the Eagles have just been like oh well here we are now um, and of course that wasn't the case which was good news and it was a real good indication of the sort of you know, grit and determination of the 49ers. And we can talk about that um, as well. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and, and get into the the things we like about this one. Cause we don't have so much time talking about a negative thing, like a stupid scuffle in the sideline. So Akshaz, I'll kick it to you. What, what did we like about this? There was certainly a lot. What did I like about this? Everything after the first quarter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I thought I really I thought Dilo Samuel had his best game of the year in a game where, you know, just for his own pride, he needed to have it. But I mean, he was incredible. McCaffrey was incredible. Trent Williams was incredible. Purdy was incredible. But I'm gonna go to a guy who I don't even think got a ton of like 
action in terms of the other players, but I thought was the big reason the 49ers won. That was Brandon Ayuk. Five receptions, 46 yards, and a touchdown. You know, for Ayuk, that's probably like a down game, relatively speaking. But when the 49ers were scuffling, they needed yards. And, like, this was a question of are they, are they going to be able to get anything going? Like, is, is this team going to completely fall apart? Or do they have a chance? He was the guy they went to. That's 13 yards on the second and 15. It's his manageable third down, and they're able to go from there. And I think, you know, he is the steadiest player on this team. And that's crazy to say with McCaffrey, but there's one thing you can guarantee, and that's Christian, and that's that Brandon Ayuk is going to be open if you throw him the ball. And that means everything. Easy yards, important third downs. Like, when the 49ers needed it, he was there. And I think that was exceptional. That's the type of effort you need when you play a good team. Because, you know, Debo gets the three touchdowns. McCaffrey, over 100 scrimmage yards. You know, that's what Purdy, you know, four touchdowns thrown. That's what everyone wants to talk about. But you win games like this because, like, everyone contributes. And I thought Ayuk was the perfect example of, like, why the 49ers are so hard to stop. Because he was the fourth option on offense today. And yet, I would say he was the biggest reason why the offense was able to find itself. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's certainly true. I, I, we, we talked a little bit at the outset, like, was this the best game that they played, that, that the team has played? And I think if there's a case to be made that this is, in fact, their best game of the season, I think... All you have to do to me is look at the way that they spread the ball out. Like for the, it feels like I mean I feel like we had this conversation right. We were like, well, it doesn't seem like they've gotten to a point where, like, it's always this guy's game or that guy's game or this guy's game. And certainly this was very heavily leaning in Debo Samuel's, you know, in in his camp in terms of like this is the Debo game, four catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns, another touchdown on the ground. But if you look at George Kittle, four catches, 68 yards. You mentioned Ayuk, five for 46 and a touchdown. John Jennings, even three for 44 and a, just a man, just what a what a touchdown run that was on the end of his on the end of that catch. Um, you know, McCaffrey, 17 carries, 93 yards, um, and then four catches for 40 yards. Elijah Mitchell, when he got out there, run the ran the ball pretty well, three for 13. Jordan Mason got a couple of carries. That was obviously garbage time, but there you go. Um, but just you know, like it's. This is this is kind of what you look at and you're like when we get when we got excited about the the way this offense could be built this is what it kind of looked like and yeah you have one guy that inevitably is going to look a little flashier in the score on the score sheet and all that kind of stuff but it's such a such a great such great work by by Brock Purdy and by the by the offense to the way the offense was set up and if you think about again the way that the first quarter ended there's no way in the world you would have anticipated uh, 456 pa- uh, total yards, 314 through the air. Um, but yeah, that's I, I think you're you're spot on there. Obviously, Debo had a big game. Um, 
I wanted to point out a couple of other things. I thought Ambry Thomas was fantastic um, in this game. I thought he's just been really quietly just kind of holding things down um, when he's been asked to come out on the field. He's not playing all the snaps, obviously, because he's still technically he's kind of their third down, you know, cornerback, but not really kind of thing, you know. Um, he, let's see, he played actually 93% of the, of the snaps on Sunday. So that's a pretty heavy, um, load, but that's not terribly surprising considering the Eagles are going to try to spread you out. And so they spent, obviously spent a lot of time with multiple defensive backs on the field. Um, we didn't see a lot of like a third linebacker or anything like that. Um, but he, I, I think he's been, been really good, um, in, in over the last couple of weeks. And then just, just the one thing that we talked about in the preview too, and 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 I'm interested to, to hear your thoughts on on all these things. Um, is like could a could the 49ers run the ball on on this Eagles defense that's been one of the top rushing defenses in the league, and then the flip of that could the 49ers who have had some good games against the run, but have also are probably also the beneficiary of being really ahead of teams, and so teams are just not running on them very much. Um. And could they stop the run? And well, the definitive answer in both both cases was yes. Um, Niners ran 28 times, 146 yards, two touchdowns. And the Eagles managed a paltry 18 carries for 46 yards and one touchdown, which, gosh, can we can we come up with a third touchdown category for QB sneaks? Because it's it pains me every time they're like, oh, Jalen Hurts has 12 rushing touchdowns. I'm like, he falls forward. Uh, like 10 of those, but it's fine, whatever. Um, DeAndre Swift was absolutely bottled up. Uh, six carries, 13 yards. Uh, their long rush of the of the game was seven yards. Um, Jalen Hurts had that. But other than that, um, he ran the ball six times for 13 yards, other than that one long. I thought they just did a really fantastic job of bottling up the the run game, and that's something that, first of all, nobody's really been able to do against Philly so far this year. And, and the anticipation, the thing that we anticipated was that the Eagles were going to be able to run the ball because sometimes the Niners just aren't able to, to bottle that up. But they had a really great plan along the defensive line, and they were able to to keep that in check, and I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, lots of good points. Um, their defense against the run. So one thing I'll say was very interesting about Philly is Jalen Hurts is not really a rusher. It doesn't look like anymore. And I like it's it could be related to like his knee injury that he suffered that's kind of like slowed him down maybe but I think he's he's kind of entered that next phase of like dropping back to pass instead of run and then you run as a last resort so that alleviates a lot of pressure I think from the 49ers defense because he's mobile right but. Mm-hmm. He's not like Lamar Jackson game-breaking out of the pocket. So one big thing, the Eagles' run game, I mean, I think the 49ers absolutely dominated, which they can do, which is the crazy part, right? Statistically, they haven't been great, as you mentioned, the beneficiaries of teams having to abandon the run. But the Eagles didn't even really have to abandon the run. They just could never get it going. And I think that was the 49ers up front absolutely dominating in the run game, which was – incredible to see on the 49ers run game I thought it was a it was an interesting kind of situation just because 
you could see like the couple, a few plays where Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter, or Fletcher Cox just destroyed an interior like dive or slam or wham because they just blew up the play. And that's, that was kind of the worry, but then you get, you get Debo in space, you get McCaffrey in space, or more importantly, you just run behind 71. And it doesn't matter that the defense knows you're running behind 71 because he's going to like triple team seven defenders, like pancake an entire defensive line. If he could, and you're going to fall forward for at least four yards. I mean, Trent Williams is as, game-breaking and game-changing an offensive lineman can be. Most great offensive linemen, right, they, like, they're really, really solid, and you don't lose anything with them. Like, they keep everything under control. Trent Williams is legitimately a weapon. Like, he is used, and he, like, makes games happen and makes plays happen. So I thought that was the huge takeaway for me. Every time, I thought when he was engaged and was given a chance to compete with the receiver, absolutely phenomenal. But this is actually going to transition into the thing I didn't like so much about oh, the game. Go, go. I thought – I understand the, like, challenge of defending against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, right? Like, the 49ers took the idea of play contain on the defensive line to, like, the umpteenth degree. Mm-hmm. I like they were engaged and they were like pushing, but they weren't like actually pushing. And I mean, so the pressure numbers tell you that the 49ers got like an absurd amount of pressures on Hertz. But the reality is, and I think Greg Olson said this perfectly on the broadcast itself, pressures for most quarterbacks are like impactful and indicative of sacks and just overall disruption. But with Hertz, it's almost like misleading because he creates a lot of his own pressures and he invites the pressures for the lanes to break down. So, I mean, I don't think the 49ers pass rush was particularly effective against the Eagles, but I thought it wasn't a negative. Like it's been against so many teams that have the ability to break a game from the pocket. I think if there is a rematch, you'd want to see the 49ers kind of mix the two and be able to crash the, offensive line especially from the interior a lot more and as opposed to making a quarterback step up into the pocket where he falls into like the the defensive tackles because that's how you'd get pressure on a pocket passer or someone who you're not expecting to run around a lot you want the defensive tackles to force hurts to move into the arms of your ends that have set good contained lanes but that's all a prelude to say, I thought the 49ers coverage was fantastic when they were engaged with the receivers, but I thought there was a lot of soft coverage and it's really nitpicky because they won by a lot. <laughs> and if you, if a quarterback throws 45 passing attempts and is under 300 yards, that's a pretty good game, right? Like raw yeah. numbers, you just look at the yards and you're like, wow, the Eagles, you know, they got a lot of yards to the air, but the 49ers, I mean, Hurts earned those yards. And that's kind of what happens when you can't run the ball and you're just going to check the ball down the field all the time. But I think, you know, the last couple drives especially, there's just a lot of play soft, 
Brown or Smith run a curl or come back on 15 yards, easy completion. Or Hertz is holding on to the ball. Brown or Smith, like, stop, move a little, and the corner is late to respond. It's hard. It's really hard to cover that long, that well, without getting penalties. But, I mean, there was there's a lot of yards that Hertz got that I think if you just like engage with the receivers a little more or a little more aggressive throughout, he doesn't even get, but that's like picking hairs. You hold the <laughs> Eagles to like, to what was it? To 19. And one yep. of them was basically a garbage time TD. That's yep. um like you did something, you did lots of things, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I it was interesting. I don't know if you heard um, or saw Nick Bosa's comments about about the pass rush situation, and it seems like that was the plan. Like the the goal was like defensive line, like working as a unit. Like this is not a nobody's going like really like super contain kind of kind of thing. And I think it 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 if you're worried about a guy like Jalen hurts breaking. Cause that, that I think you're right. He's not, he's not going to just run the ball. He doesn't seem like they're using him as a, as a straight runner so much as they did last year. Maybe it's an injury thing. Maybe it's just like preserving his career kind of thing. Um, he's certainly not Lamar Jackson or anybody like that, but, um, you still have to be aware of the threat of his of ability to break contain. And it seems like that was the plan. Um, would you like to see more straight pass rush and like, sack you know long bigger sacks and that kind of thing um especially because they had three sacks in the game one of them was when hertz tripped over his own feet um that was actually a really big important moment in the game very early on and right because uh, it looked like the the eagles were going to drive down and score again and um javon kinlaw was the uh recipient of maybe the easiest sack he's ever had in his entire life uh since uh jalen hertz tripped over it looked like his own two feet i don't really know what happened there but um, yeah, I think it's 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 certainly a game plan to deal with this particular quarterback and his particular skill set in the same way, like offensively, if you look at like Brock Purdy's passing chart, it's a lot more of the shorter, shorter to mid range passes. They're not taking it down the field. And, you know, that's going to be the it, it, <laughs> our uh, uh, w- there was a conversation in our in our in our slack after the <laughs> after the game, like how is the. Uh, how are people gonna gonna make gonna throw shade at Purdy this time? And that's I think that's probably how it's gonna be, right? Like, oh, he's just going back to Dinkin and Dunk in this game. It's like, well, that's it's it's called a game plan, my guys. Um, yeah, for me, it was obviously the first quarter, and from an offensive perspective, just like when you know you got negative six yards after one quarter, and the Eagles have had the ball for most of the time, um, that's certainly concerning. And I was certainly having those like very heavy worries that they were not going to be able to move the ball at all. Um, obviously I was wrong by a great, uh, a great deal, but it was not a good start. And it's certainly not something you want to be in the habit of doing. And, and it and has in fact, um, when they've won big has not been something that they have done. Right. And there, if there are uh, their other wins this season, they've gotten off to really good starts as a matter of fact. Um, and the losses have been the opposite. So that's kind of where my brain went. I don't know about you, but it was just like, Oh gosh, they're off to a slow start. Slow starts this season so far have me have meant that they're not going to score a lot of points, which means they're not winning this game. Um, so not what you want, but obviously feeling things out. The weather looked like it was kind of still a little bit dicey at the beginning of the game. It cleared up a little bit later, but um, 
it worked out. So <laughs> not too bad, right? No, not at all. I mean, I actually think, I think Warner probably said something. It was like, it wasn't like the full, like super grimy game that I think has been discussed as something they need to win. Right. But that was in a blowout. That was a pretty like close hard fought game for quite a bit. It wasn't, but it was. And I think, you know, people are going to like make this inane argument that Brock Purdy is unclutch and somehow incapable of like, like he's unable to handle the big moments. I think we've like explicitly seen that not to be true, but you know, I'm not, here to argue with people i'm here to just like say things on a podcast but (laughs) i think i think the 49ers being able to respond to a full quarter of nothing and i mean nothing going right on offense both offensively and defensively you know i mean eagles are moving the ball with ease 49ers literally cannot get positive yards on a play i actually don't think like i know their total yards was minus six but I think they they just didn't get positive yards on a play at all in the first quarter, which is insane to think about. Like, all sorts of bad. And to come back, get in the second quarter, get a false start, I believe, or some, like, some concerning, like, start to that yeah, drive. Yeah, it was, it was the, the third, third drive started on their own 15-yard line. It was McCaffrey for no gain. Uh, False start on Spencer Burford, and then Purdy um, hit Brandon Ayuk for 12, and then Kittle for three, and then they were off to the races. I mean, that's like, that's what you want. That was a great environment. I mean, fantastic energy. Everyone was mad the entire time. Like, <laughs> and I mean, like, your offense in particular, the defense didn't talk a ton, but the 49ers' offense basically spent the entire, like, offseason saying yeah i think we got them like we didn't get a chance we got them so you know that eagles defense was ready to uh, ready to go and they came out firing they like they like the broadcast kept on saying heavyweight fight you know you just got rocked in round one but you're on your feet nothing bad happened now what do you do i think the 49ers did a fantastic job yeah and just for the record, it was incomplete pass to Ayuk, sack for negative two, incomplete pass to McCaffrey. And then it was negative four run for Debo, incomplete pass to Kittle, incomplete pass. And that was, those were the first six plays. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Um, it was either a loss of yards or or an incomplete pass, um, which was I mean, and that could be that was an interesting start. Right. Like and you have to wonder how much the Eagles defense and what they expected them to do had, you know, that's a lot of throws. That's let's see what one, two, oops, over four, right? So four, four pass completions, a sack, which was ostensibly going to be the fifth pass, pass attempt and one run play. That was a, a, an outside run to Debo Samuel. that didn't work at all. So it was a really interesting start to the game. It, it kind of makes sense, right? Like if you're expecting the Eagles to expect you to run the ball to kind of go the other way, um, but the pass rush was was ready to feast in the at the at the very beginning of it and didn't and it looked like the the Niners are going to be overmatched in the front and they you know credit to the to the offensive line who had a really rough start to the game but really I, I think 
did a lot of good things as the game progressed and and managed to to pull out a really effective uh, game against that really strong Eagles front. Yeah, I mean, you know, Trent Williams was Trent Williams. He was incredible. But the Eagles, their strength was on the interior. And, you know, they got some push. Like, it wasn't a perfect game, but it was as good a game as you could expect, especially from some of your younger offensive linemen. And it's one of those games, like, you take it and you build on it because they did some really good things in a really hostile environment. And, you know, you just – that bodes well for them. I thought, you know, Burford, I think, was really active, even though, like, wasn't, like, the best. But he was putting 120% effort, and that's what you need in games like this. I thought Banks played super well, too. Rendell was pretty all right. McKivitz wasn't a complete nightmare, which is such a big deal. So, <laughs> you know, all yeah. all good things. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, um, here we are. The, the final five games of the season are upon us. Uh, the bird gauntlet continues. Uh, we got three more weeks of bird teams to play. Um, home for, C- for Seattle on Sunday at Arizona the following week. And then a Christmas Day Monday night football clash with the Baltimore Ravens at Levi Stadium before traversing the country to play the Commanders and then coming back home to play the Rams. It's not like the most ideal situation in terms of like the it's home away, home away, home. Um, But the good news is that one of those away games is just in Arizona, which is really good. And then the the last away game is in Washington against the Commanders, who, gosh, man, they're that's rough Um, from the Commanders perspective, (laughs) not the 49ers. We'll we'll talk about all those things, but um, actually, any any final words about this one? I, I that was that was man, what a, what a fun game to watch that turned out to be. Um, I was not feeling it <laughs> about you know about five five fifteen. I was like, oh gosh, this is gonna be a long day. And then later on, I was like, that was good, good times. Yeah, I mean, you know, they it was clear that the Niners wanted some measure of payback, right? And I think. You know, there was a whole lot of discussion about, like, oh, they're sore losers and they can't get over it. And I think there's a difference between, like, the 49ers having lost the Super Bowl or losing to the Rams, right? Like, those two times they lost, people were like, you know, it sucks that we didn't win. But no one was like, man, the Chiefs or the Rams, those guys got lucky. Because the reality is, right? I think you and I both mentioned when that game happened, we didn't know like how it could end up when they played the Eagles in the NFC championship game. It was going to be a close game. That Eagles team last year was really, really, really good. It was probably better than this Eagles team this year, but you know, you did never got a chance, right? The Eagles were up seven, nothing. Let's say Purdy's the hits a fumble, right? Eagles are driving again, but you don't know how he could have responded. There's just no way to know. That's kind of the, that's the thing, right? Is they were able to be like, it's not the same, but they could be like, this is how it could have gone. Right. And it was a huge game. It makes the earlier losses. Time. Cause you know, now you win one of those games and you're in the one seed right now. But it's still it's a tough schedule heading out. The Ravens are going to be a huge challenge. You can't overlook Seattle. But 
you know, the Eagles also got a couple of big games that they got to play and everything's in play now. You know, we've talked about this season being how can this team get ready for the playoffs and the best possible seed and being the best like position to go and winning against Philadelphia minus all the outside noise, put them exactly where they want to be. So what can you say? I mean, best team in the NFL. Yeah, man. Well said. Well said. Um, and if <laughs> with the way the AFC is going, you got to feel pretty good about whoever gets out of the NFC. There's a pretty good chance to to hoist the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the season. But I'm not getting ahead of myself. That's just me saying things. All right. <laughs> well, thanks, as always, uh, for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Mm-hmm.